You're listening to the premier podcast for men who want to not only be better with women, but want to be better men in general. This is the Come On Man podcast. And here's your host, Paul Bauer. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another week of Come On Man. If you haven't done so already, please like, fave, subscribe, hit those notifications. If you're listening on your favorite audio platform of choice, please give us a five-star review and actually write out something telling us why you like the show. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you comment. You know, even if you just comment the word comment, <laughs> that kind of stuff boosts the algorithm. It's weird. It's weird. All right. This episode is purely a fun episode. I mean, one could say that it's uh, about purpose, maybe. But in reality, it's sort of a fan requested episode because a lot of people, if you're watching on YouTube, you know, comment about my wrestling belts in the background. And, you know, really comes down to the fact that I'm a big pro wrestling fan. And so someone's like, hey, you need to interview a wrestler. So I did. I booked a wrestler. Uh, So joining me this week is, in my opinion, one of the coolest independent wrestlers out there. Uh, His Real name or shoot name, as they say in the business, is Steve Islas. He's better known on the independent wrestling circuit as Navajo Warrior. He's one half of one of the best tag teams out there, the Tribe. Uh, his partner is the Hawaiian Lion. And he's just an all around good dude. I've been following him for years. Uh, if you see back here, that picture right there. That was at the first independent wrestling show I ever went to. And the headliner of that was Ray Mysterio. So I got to meet Ray Mysterio. And he and uh, Steve or Navajo Warrior was one of the uh, in one of the matches. So at the end of that show, it was really cool. I went down by the ring, talked to the ring crew, you know, got to pull on the ropes a little bit, got to knock on the on the the mat, a lot of people think that those, uh, those wrestling rings are like, you know, springy and they are a little bit, but in reality, it's, it's, it's boards, it's planks of wood that are out there. And so, I mean, it's hard as shit. And there's like just a little thin bit of padding on top of that. Uh, otherwise it's, it's pretty stiff, you know, but, uh, after I, I went down to the ring, um, you know, I, I got to take a few pictures with some of the wrestlers, and one of the one of the wrestlers was Navajo Warrior and uh, his partner Hawaiian Lion, and I've been following those guys ever since. That picture is is lost forever now because the the gal who I went with took the picture, and uh, she and I don't talk anymore. <laughs> one of these days, I'm gonna have to go to a show that he's at and and uh, get another picture with him, but. Yeah, he follows he follows the podcast on Instagram, and uh, so I reached out to him and I was like, "Hey, man, would you be down for an interview?" And he's like, "Hell yeah!" So he's not only uh, an independent pro wrestler though; he does strongman competitions, which I, I think is fascinating. Uh, I, I love strongman too. Like, if I'm not watching wrestling, I'd love to watch a strongman competition. And he's also the licensing manager for WWE 2K Games and their WWE um, 2K22, I think, just came out at the time of this. Uh, so yeah, without any further ado, I'm going to bring you that conversation with Steve Islas, the Navajo Warrior, right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Ghostbed. You want to get laid, right? Well, she wants to be comfortable while you do it. She doesn't want the spring from your old busted mattress jabbing her in the ass. So up your bedroom game and do her on a Ghostbed. The link is in the description. Your purchase helps support the show, and she's going to come back for Mo. Win-win. See what I did there? Remember, use the link in the description. Oh, 
You'll sleep better too, but we all know what you hornballs really care about. Do her on a ghost bed. All right, joining me this week is one of the coolest independent wrestlers I've ever seen. He's a member of one of the greatest tag teams in Arizona wrestling history, the Tribe. He's a strongman competitor, and he's the licensing manager for WWE 2K Games. His shoot name, can I say that? Shoot name? Shoot name sure. is Stevie's loss. <laughs> How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. I I, I find it funny because I, I follow, I've been following wrestling for years, uh, clearly. Uh, and I know that it's funny because there guys who are in the business wrestlers that are in the business it's sort of like they they sort of look down on on marks a little bit and so they and i'm a total mark and uh so they i'm afraid of using business slang when like i haven't earned it you know what i mean i got you i understand what you're saying exactly yeah Uh, you know it's it's certain some wrestlers look down on like not all you know some of us are are actually you know i mean we were you had to be a mark to like want to do this, you know. You grow up a fan watching it, and it's like that's what gets you hooked. Got you know, it. If, yeah. if you weren't, if you weren't, if you aren't a fan of it or a mark for it, then what are you doing in, doing in the business? You know, right? Yeah. I, well, I mean, there are. It seems to me um, that there are there are people that are in the business not necessarily because they love wrestling, but mm-hmm. it's like a foot in the door for entertainment. You know, yeah. So they they learn it and then they move on to bigger and better things, maybe, <laughs> uh, which is a shame because like yeah. all of us that are watching it are watching it because we love it. You know. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, are you semi-retired from wrestling now? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been semi-retired since like 2008. <laughs> you know when I started uh, doing this this okay. job. So to me, you know, because you you never really retire from wrestling you know you just yeah. stop. You, you just stop and you're done you know and that that's how i look at it you know and a, a friend of mine calls it quit tire you, you quit tire from wrestling you know but um but yeah so i i cut my bookings back a lot i mean i was i was i mean this was my job full-time you know wrestling and when i switched over to start working for the video games uh i basically went into semi-retirement because i would only do bookings every you know maybe one a month maybe two a month you know cut it down to just a few here and there, you know, for fun. Okay. The, the reason why I ask is because I saw a, a video that you did for United Wrestling Network mm-hmm. and it, it was done uh, last year. And you're like, yeah, I think this is it. This is my last year. I don't want to say I'm retired, but uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> so, yeah, that's never going to end. <laughs> you, you know what? It, it never, it never does end too. Right. You still see some of the legends come back, you know, for a one, one more, I got one more in me. I got one more run, brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm positive that you don't remember this, but the first time I saw you live, this was actually at the, the, the very first time I actually went to a live wrestling event. Uh, this was several years ago, maybe like 2017. I can't remember exactly, but it was UCW Zero's 15th anniversary show in Salt Lake City. Okay. Um, Rey Mysterio was the main event. Mm-hmm. And I actually got a picture taken with you and Hawaiian Lion uh, by my girlfriend at the time, yeah. and now that picture is lost forever since she and I broke up. You know, a few years ago. Oh, she but kept she kept the picture. She yeah, I think it was she she posted it. It was on her camera. And she posted it on her Facebook, and like we uh, haven't we haven't been in touch in a couple of years, and it's just, nah, it's just gone. gone now. <laughs> <laughs> I was looking through it like in my my uh, Google Photos archive, and I was like, God bless, I don't have that picture. <laughs> Well, we'll was, have to get another one. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I, I mean, it, the the cool thing about that event was, uh, I mean, I I've been a a huge, I grew up a huge wrestling fan, like in the eighties, mm-hmm. during during like the nineties, uh, like when I was in high school and stuff like that. I I didn't really follow it that much, but in the navy, I got I joined the navy in nineteen ninety eight, and like Monday nights on the ship was just like an event, you know, on the ship, everyone in the birthing, we'd all get gather around and watch wrestling. And so I got really into it. And then I got married and my now ex-wife hated wrestling. So we never, I never, never watched wrestling until we got divorced. And when I got, when I got divorced, I was like, I wonder what's going on raw. And I turned it on. I just got hooked again. And then I started looking into, uh, local independent wrestling events. Cause I had no idea that there was local independent wrestling mm-hmm. and 
I, I started looking more into that and I was like, oh, there, there's actually uh, a bunch of small little things in like Salt Lake City and in Denver that I could easily go to. So going to that UCW show was the first time I actually went to a live event. Okay. It, was, it was awesome. I, I went down uh, after the show was over, went down by the ring just to see what the ring felt like. Uh-huh. That shit, that shit's hard as hell. I didn't realize oh, yeah. that. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. And then I got to, got to meet you in, in Hawaiian Lions. So that was a, a really awesome experience. Uh, speaking of Hawaiian Lion, when did the two of you guys meet? Uh, well, we met in 2000, 2001. Um, so Hawaiian Lion wanted to start, start wrestling and a friend of mine started to train him and then, uh, brought him to one of our shows that we were, that we were doing. And that's where we met. And then I was like, okay, well, I, I can polish you up because it was, he was just getting the basics in. And then he started coming to my wrestling camp and I, I was running a wrestling school for a few years and I, you know, trained people like uh, Mike Knox, uh, Luther Reigns, um, you know, people that, that have gone on to, to bigger things with WWE. And so that's where Hawaiian, Hawaiian Lion and I met. And then uh, around 2002, uh, we decided to start teaming up as a tag team. 2002, you started. Yeah. Okay. So wow. 20 years. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> now I was going, I was going through some like vintage footage on YouTube last night. And, and like mm-hmm. we were saying before we started recording, there's tons of stuff. If you guys just go on YouTube and just look up Navajo warrior, I mean, uh, Navajo warrior wrestling, there's just tons, tons of stuff out there. And I found footage of you and you're going to the ring with someone that was painted up very much like you. Mm-hmm. However, it didn't look like Hawaiian Lion to me. And it might've been him younger, but did you ever have other tag team partners in the tribe? Or yeah. Like- so uh, I had another tag team. We were called Native Blood. So it was, uh, Native Blood. Okay. yeah, Ghost Walker was his his wrestling name. Um, and we were basically, we were in wrestling, a brother, uh, Native American brother tag team. Okay. And so we teamed together for about about four years um no it's actually shorter than that probably about, about two to three years and we were all over you know as my first part of my career i was wrestling as a singles and then i started teaming up with with ghost walker we did a couple of years together where we were wrestling you know all across the united states overseas uh, japan and then uh, he wanted to change the the character and kind of go on, on his own Mm-hmm. So, so we split up as a team and then that's how Hawaiian line and I started to become a tag team because Japan was calling and wanted, you know, the team to come back mm-hmm. and it's like, well, there's just me now, you know? So yeah. like, do you have another partner that you could bring? And I said, yeah. So they call this new native blood, which when you put new, that's yeah. a kiss of death, kiss of death on the name. So uh, <laughs> the tribe was something that we came up with, you know, after that, cause we didn't want to be like a 2.0 or the new version of something, right. you know? you know, like the new Midnight Express or the new, you know, the new Blackjacks or, you know, any of those teams that they tried to reboot. Yeah. So, yeah. Got it. All right. So now I saw you live on one other time. This was uh, maybe three or four years ago. I was in, in uh, California and I, I took a, a guy that works for me. We went up to Port Wanimi and we saw a taping of championship wrestling from Hollywood okay. and, and you were there and I was like, oh, wow, the tribe's here. Um, now you primarily work championship wrestling from Arizona, right? Yeah. Well, we first were starting when championship wrestling from Hollywood started, yeah. uh, we were part of that first crew and Hawaiian Lion and I actually won the, uh, tag team titles and we held those for, we're the longest reigning tag team champions for the company. And at that time they were associated with the NWA. So right. it was the NWA heritage tag team titles. And we held those for over 500, over 500 days. And then uh, Championship Wrestling from Arizona started up. And so it was a branch off from Championship Wrestling from Hollywood. And so since it's our backyard, we're right at home. We started doing the stuff with Championship Wrestling from Arizona. Got it. You, speaking of NWA, uh, they've, uh, they've clearly rebooted uh, mm-hmm. within the last few years. And um, I can't think of the guy's name, but the, the, basically the, the producer for Championship Wrestling for Hollywood is now the producer for, for NWA Power, right? I believe so. Uh, that would be, why am I I'm drawing a blank on his name? Billy, but not Billy Corgan, but, but uh, the Billy that was producing for us well, under David Marquez. 
David Marquez. That's the name I was thinking of. Yeah. So Dave David's not associated with uh, the NWA now. He was. Oh. He was. Yeah. Uh, he was on camera talent though. He wasn't doing the production for them. Oh, uh, got he it. Was, okay. He was the doing the interviews and uh, ring announcing for them, and then he his obligations with his championship wrestling, the United Wrestling Network. Yeah. You know, were, are too many for him to be going back and forth. So. Sure. Yeah, because yeah. one's on on the East Coast, one's on West Coast, and I yeah. imagine with like COVID and all that nonsense, like oh yeah, travel traveling would be difficult, and you have to pick one, I guess. Have yeah. have, have you uh, have you guys been out to power tapings? Have you guys had the opportunity yet? No, uh, actually, my one of my students, a good friend of mine, Mike Knox, uh, actually just reached out. He's on tonight's episode, actually, as we're as we're recording this, oh, okay. uh, taking on. Uh, Trevor Murdoch for the championship. Oh, for the title. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, so. yeah, Trevor's the champ right now. Yeah, He's got the so. 10 pounds of gold. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> but but yeah, so Mike was in contact. He reached out to me actually and was asking if I'd be interested in coming out. So uh we'll we'll see. I told him, I said if, if we can make the dates work, then yeah, yeah, I'd love to, you know, just I can still go. I can still get in the ring, I can still bump, I can still work, I can still do everything I've been doing. Um so as long as I can still give a performance that I'm happy with, then I'm willing to go. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. I was just, I was curious about that. I really like the, the, the reboot of NWA. It's, it's been a really fun show to watch actually, even just the small yeah. studio crowd. It's, it's really compelling. I, I like it. Yeah. It takes it back to that, that, you know, early eighties yeah. studio, studio wrestling. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, now if people check out your Instagram or, pretty much any promo videos or pictures of you, you're often seen with a, a leather strap. Mm-hmm. What's the significance of the strap? So the leather strap is, is part of my uh, character as you know, Navajo warrior. And I'm basically the king of the Indian strap match, oh. which we can, we don't call it the Indian strap match anymore because of political re- correctness and you know, what have you, but sure. I, I, we just call it the, you know, strap match. Um, so the story behind the strap match the the Cheyenne and the dog soldiers uh when they used to go into battle they would take a leather a leather strap and basically have it attached one end of it attached to themselves and the other end they would stake to the ground mm-hmm. and that way they would not retreat you know they would fight to the death and and hold their ground so when we brought it into wrestling you know it was brought into wrestling long before I came into it yeah but my story behind it is then you know once one end of it is tied to me and the other end is tied to my opponent we go until the you know, fight's over yeah. you know two men are going to go in there and and fight until the match is done and nobody's going to run away no one's going to you know take a count out it's going to go until the finish is it similar to uh i mean there's variations of it right like the texas rope matches and yeah the texas bull rope or the russian chain match or you know different ones where you're a, a, you know attached to your opponent yeah. And that way it's it's basically to keep the two, you know, together and not let one of them escape from the other. Is is it the same concept where you have to hit, touch like all four posts? In, in some of the rules, some rules, they do it that way. Uh, I prefer pinfall or submission you okay. know, because that way there's a definite winner. When you when you're going to touching all four corners, it, it's. You're rendering your your opponent, you know, helpless enough to be able to drag him to all four corners. But to me, I'd rather it be a definite. I would either put his shoulders to the mat or I make him quit. Yeah, yeah, in the ring. Yes, in, in the, the middle, right? Right in the middle, <laughs> right in the middle. Um, so you've been doing this for thirty some odd years, right? Yeah, and 30, 30, 31 this year. It's my 30, 30, oh, 31, Okay, yeah. and you've gone by some other characters and names throughout your career. So I uh, just. Going through uh, through YouTube, you've you've mentioned Iceman and one thing, um, yeah. Sean Dakota, the Navajo mm-hmm. Kid, Steve Gray Eyes. Yes. Um, were there any other characters that like were the names at least really made you cringe, or were you always happy with with? Well, the, those are all names that I came up with as far okay. as you know. Uh, Gray Eyes was from by a, fa- a family name actually. So is it okay? Uh, yeah, and so honestly, I wish I would have gone with that before Sean Dakota, but Sean Dakota just kind of rolled off the tongue, okay. you know, for, for a, a young Native American wrestler. It's like, okay, Sean Dakota, you know, because uh, yeah. that was for the WWF. Right. But my very first match, I was, you know, getting ready to go to the ring and music starts to play, ring announcer, you know, announces my weight, my hometown. And then he says, Vince Valdez. 
And I'm like, I look, we were being taken out on a golf cart. So I look over at the driver and I'm like, who's Vince Valdez? He's like, I guess that's you. <laughs> so, <laughs> and so I get to the back after the match and the promoter, yeah, yeah. He's like, I told him Vince Valdez for your name. And it was my very first match. So I really didn't play. What can I say? You know, I couldn't, uh, you really, you really argue with it too much, you know? So I just went with it, but I never used that name again. You know, it was <laughs> after that, I was like, Oh no, no, not, not Vince Valdez. <laughs> so besides, besides Vince Valdez, have you ever had uh, any other names like, like assigned to you or did you get to pick all your other names? I, I got to pick them. Okay. So that's good. Cause that seems, especially in, in WWE now, like that, it's rare that people get it is, it is very rare names now. And I, it yeah. is because of intellectual property, right? Exactly. That way they, they own it. And then, uh, you know, so usually when a wrestler has made a name for himself, uh, they own their name, like a Samoa Joe, you know, right. Then they, you can work something out where you can keep that name. Um, but you know, it's, it's all legal and everything else that you need to go through to, to make sure it works for both ends, you know, for the talent and for the company. Yeah. What, what frustrates me more than, than them rebranding, you know, cause it, like, I usually follow these guys in, you know, ring of honor or impact or, or something like that. And then they go to NXT and they get a new name. I'm like, ah, darn it. All right, fine. Uh-huh. This is their new name. Now let's see where they go with this. And then yeah. NXT will do a great job building up new talent, just making them look like stone cold killers and then they get called up to the main roster and it doesn't always happen, but it happens so frequently that it's like, Oh man, they ruined that guy. You know? Yeah. That, I know. That, I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. That's so sad. Like they just, they recently just did that with killer cross. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and now they let him go, which yeah. is even worse. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We throw all that change with them, And then now he's no longer with the company, but uh, you know, it, I mean, I can only imagine how hard it is because you have, even though it's under the WWE umbrella, you have your NXT creative team and you have your Raw creative team and SmackDown creative team. So sometimes they don't just, they don't mesh. And so when a talent gets pulled up to the main roster, now it's basically like they're starting over again, you know, even though they've already made a name for themselves in the WWE, but it's under NXT, you know, so it's, it's difficult, especially for the talent, you know, because they've been working so hard on, on their character and everything that they've been doing while in NXT and then for it to just get changed, you know? Mm-hmm. Do you think that uh, that's one of the, the kind of blessings with like the independent circuit though, is that you're, you have full creative control over your character and it's sort of like you get to eat what you kill then at that point. Right. Like, it, you- Oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because you know, it, it's something that you're passionate about something that you're focused on. You're, you're creating your own character. What, who is, you know, who is the novel warrior? And that's everything that, that I myself put into my character, you know, and, and, you know, what I want to put across to the fans. And so if it, if it succeeds, it succeeds on my, on my terms. If it fails, it fails on my terms because, you know, I'm the one that that's going out there and, and putting it together myself. Mm-hmm. And then when you get handed something, it's, it's sometimes it's a little different, you know, you might not have your heart in it. You know, you might end up like, uh, you know, a Terry Taylor who's wrestling as Terry Taylor for all these years. And then he becomes the red rooster. And it's like, I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And then it's, you're labeled with a character that you don't believe in and it comes across in, in your performance. Yeah. Would you say though, that the sign of a really good talent though, is someone that can, be given a character that sucks and then they turn it into gold. Like I would say oh, yeah. like, like, like Dusty Rose, for instance, right. With the mm-hmm. polka dots. Yeah. He just, he was like, all right, you want me to go out there and polka dots? I'm going to get these polka dots over. Exactly. Exactly. That is a true sign of, of really great talent, you know, to be able to just take whatever is given to them and make it work. Yeah. So in, in some of the videos I, I've seen from the archives, at least like the, the WWE ones, um, did you do mostly like enhancement talent work or did you ever have any kind of storyline or, or, or run? Uh, I didn't have a run as a talent. I was uh, doing a lot of dark matches, a lot of, you know, so where they were looking at the character and they were seeing if it was something that would fit, you know, okay. with, with what they were looking for. And so I'd get feedback and I'd be there. Some, sometimes I'd be there, you know, four or five weeks in a row and every night, you know, they change something or, you know, come out with the headdress on without a headdress on, with war paint, without war paint, 
be a good guy, be a bad guy, you know, and, and just to see what, if anything just kind of grabbed their attention mm-hmm. and, and made it, you know, made it work. And um, when the time came, you know, to where it was like, okay, well, we can offer you something with the developmental, uh, you know, it just, it didn't work for both parties, you know, on their end and my end to where, you know, we couldn't, couldn't get a contract worked out, you know, something to where it would work for, for me or where they would offer something that was like, okay, yes, this is what I want to do. Yeah. But I loved every bit of what I got to do. You know, I would do dark matches. I would do enhancement matches. I would do um, different skits, you know, uh, the crooked judges for the pose down between, you know, Scott Steiner and uh, Triple H uh-huh. or, or the new day versus the Usos rap battle, you know, being, part of the crew for the Usos or, you know, different, different things like that to where it's like, Oh, you know, you still get, you're still doing something and, and getting involved. And, and to me, it's just a lot of fun. You know, so. Now, how does that work? Do they, I just sort of glean this just from my observations over the years, but it seems like uh, when WWE comes to town, uh, they sort of look for local talent to, to <laughs> do some of that, like the, you know, uh, who's that guy that was doing the, I don't know, he was coming to the ring dancing or whatever, and he had a whole bunch of dancers in the background. They've done that a couple of times. Yes, the uh, No Way Jose. Yeah, yeah, No Way Jose. Like the guys in the background are usually like local local wrestlers. Yeah, and do it sort of getting a, a little bit of a shot or at least a little bit of local work or whatever. Yeah. Uh, um, God, there was a there was a gal that uh, she wrestles in Utah, uh, Marty Marty Daniels. Mm-hmm. Do you know Marty? Yeah, uh, my wife actually trained her. Oh, so wife, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I got an autograph of her. Uh, she signed for my son in, in his bedroom. She's totally cool, and she's got like the best memory ever because I met her at, at UCW Zero, and then like three years later, or a few years later, I, I saw her on some other thing, and mm-hmm. she was on recently on AEW or whatever, and I was like. Oh hey, congrats on being on AEW Dark. And she was like, Oh yeah, hey, say hi to your son Braden for me. I was like, What? Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's she's incredible. She remembers everything and, and it's it's just part of her charm. You know, I love it. Yeah, that's that's impressive. So getting out of the WWE stuff, um, did you you basically started then in the like the territory system? Is that roughly when you started like maybe the tail end of that the very tail end uh you know the territories were dying out and it was uh you know so but it was just get work where you can get it you know and uh i trained in arizona um and my trainer and see that back then no internet no way to find out how do you become a wrestler you know any of that i was just lucky enough to run into someone that i recognized from television Mm. And say, I want to be a wrestler because I something I wanted to do since I was a you know a kid, yeah, and never knew how to do it. And then uh, it just went from there. And I started training, and then you know started training in 1990, 91 had my first match, and then I would do uh, reservation tours. We'd do up in Northern Arizona, Utah, New Mexico, the whole Four Corners area, mm-hmm. uh, Colorado, and we would do these week long tours. And that's where I would get to wrestle on cards with Superfly Jimmy Snuka or the Honky Tonk Man or, you know, guys that were on television that that could help groom me and teach me, you know, because I would ask them, please watch my match. Please let me know, you know, if there's anything I can change, anything I can do. And I would take all of that advice and kind of like ball it up and see what worked and I keep what worked and what didn't work. I tossed it aside, you know, so, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, it was, it was like a, the very tail end of the territories, you know, and what's the what would you say is the difference between wrestling territories and the current independent system uh repetition uh dates working uh because you would wrestle you know sometimes three to four nights a week sometimes five nights a week you know now with independence you're lucky if you get a two a weekend a saturday and a sunday you know if there happens to be a lucha beaver show on a sunday or you know so you're not getting as much wrestling time in now as back then, you know, and that's what kind of prepared me to make this into a, a career. You know, I was an independent wrestler making a living at independent wrestling, mm-hmm. which was, you know, something that's very hard to do, but you had to learn how to hustle and how to yeah. get those bookings, schedule them all out so that it worked, you know, and you're not going to try to, 
you know, wrestle one night in California and then end up trying to be somewhere on the East coast the next night, you just, you kind of like lay it out so that you make the trip along the way, you know, picking up dates as you go along and then make your way back. And so, you know, it's all stuff that you would learn basically from the territory system because you would have a, a schedule of, of cities that you would do and you would wrestle in these different cities and then it would kind of rinse and repeat. You could work your way up, work your way back and then the tour would be over. So. Mm. How, how does booking work? Do you have to reach out to promoters or do they usually reach out to you? So when I first started, it was reaching out to promoters uh, and it helped to, you know, back then no internet. You mm. know, so it was, it was, uh, black and white eight by 10 a VHS cassette of a couple of matches, your, you know, your bio on the back of the eight by 10, and then you'd mail them out, you know, to all the different promoters that you would get information from through the guys like the Jimmy Snookers and the honky tonk mans and the Greg, the hammer Valentines that were wrestling on all these shows. They would, if they saw something in you, they would help you, you know, they'd say, okay, yeah, send it to this person, send it to this person, put my number on there. That way they can contact me and I'll vouch for you, that kind of thing. So having the right kind of people vouching for you and, and putting a good word in for you also helps because you, you're thinking about how a promoter has to look at his budget, you know, and it's like, is it worth bringing somebody in, paying for a flight, paying for their transportation if they don't fly, if they drive themselves in, plus their payoff to wrestle, you know, when I have local guys here that I can, you know, fit in my budget a lot easier. So, uh, so yeah, it was it was one of those things where it was really different. We'd reach out at first, and then once you had a good fit with the different promoters, then it, they would start contacting you for things that they had coming up. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, because I've always noticed, uh, you know, guys, especially like if they get released, or you know, maybe uh, maybe they work for a company like Impact where they're allowed to also take independent bookings and stuff like that that occasionally on social media they'll they'll say hey i'm available for bookings these are this is my email address and stuff like that so i was just curious how that all worked yeah it, it's changed over the years to where now it's you know with with social media it, it's made it a lot easier everything's a click away you know you can email someone you can instant message someone you can send them hey here's a link to my match you know and then boom just click the link you know now it's a, it's a lot easier mm-hmm. um but it's also a lot harder because now you're kind of flooded with, you know, a lot more uh, wrestlers or wannabe wrestlers and trained, you know, training wrestlers out all wanting to, to fill these spots. Yeah. And, you know, so it, it makes it a lot harder because the quality guys are going to want quality pay. Sure. And then you're going to have somebody that's going to come in and say, well, I can do it for a lot less than, you know, then you run into those type of things. Or, yeah. That's, you know. that's rough though. But I, I yeah. would imagine that smart, bookers will know that well yeah this guy's less but this guy's a bigger draw exactly so exactly if they're uh if they have any kind of experience as a promoter then they they'll do the right thing i would say right yeah the Maybe. good ones do the good <laughs> ones do <laughs> what's a you know it's funny i uh cody rhodes when he left wwe he went on like all around the independence and he had this like list of dream matches and stuff and one of the things that he said he wanted to experience is like, or have what kind of experience he wanted to have is like that real carny experience with mm-hmm. like, you know, real carny type promoter. Like, do you have, do you have a, what's the worst carny type promotion story do you have? Well, when somebody, <laughs> when I, that's the thing, like to me, okay. Carney, I don't look as a, as a negative, but it's been turned into one just sure. to where they put that label, they put that label on, a shady promoter or a, you know, somebody who does things just not by the book, you know, or the, they've labeled them carny, even though, I mean, really that's what we are, you know, came from, we came from the carnies, you know, that, okay. that was what we do is carny, you know, we're, we're trying to pull the wool over people's eyes and make them believe that we're out there, you know, fighting, mm-hmm. but anyway, so, but to put it in that way though, of, yeah, okay, let's say shady promoter then. Shady shady pro- promoter. Oh yeah. I've had, I've had them to where I've gotten uh, my, my plane ticket travel get there wrestle no pay where's the oh. pay oh I'm, i'll send it to you and then of course you know 20 years later still haven't gotten that money or you know that that type of thing yeah. or you drive yourself to a promotion let's say it's california okay that's only like you know five hours away this is what my gas will be this is this okay we'll take care of that on the end when we get here get there oh 
sorry, the house wasn't what I thought it was going to be. I'll take care of you next time, kid. That type of thing, you know, where it's like, so now I'm out that money again, you know, that, that type of shady promoting, you know, uh, one time we were in sent to Singapore, Singapore and Malaysia, and we get there. Everything's first class, first class flights, hotels, venues are huge. We get there and the houses aren't what they expected. Mm. You know, you're, you're, they're, they're getting these, you know, 10,000 seat buildings and they're maybe getting a couple thousand people in them. So they look really empty. And we noticed something was wrong when halfway through the tour, all of a sudden our hotel is a pay by the hour hotel. And the, the, <laughs> we're now, now we're on a, a bus going to this next town instead of a, a quick flight over, you know, and things like that. It's like, well, okay, something's up. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, it came to the point to where it's like, oh, well, you know, I know we've got like four more days left, but I can't pay you. And like, okay, well, then you're going to get us our flights home then, you know, yeah. that type of thing, you know? So as a group, we all, you know, the wrestlers, we all decided we're leaving, you know? Mm-hmm. So we we were able to actually get our flights changed because the promoter wasn't going to pay to fly us home, Yeah, get our flights changed, you know, and get, get back home. So it's one of those things you're stuck in another country. Yeah. You know? That must and, be scary. It is. It is. And then I came home and I would say a week to two weeks later, that big tsunami hit. Yeah. The over there. And it was one of those things where it's like, wow, I just feel lucky that, you know, we missed that, you know, yeah. because imagine if we couldn't get home and we were stuck there and then that hit, you know, it's like, oh, right. What if he wasn't shady? And he was like, yeah, I've got plenty of money to pay you guys. And you're always like, great, let's, let's keep wrestling. And then, all yeah. Sudden- and then this thing hits, you know, and yeah. So, but, <laughs> but yeah, things like that, that, that happened. Um, here's a, a good story though, on that end. Yeah. I did a show in Florida back in, say it was late nineties. Um, and Spike Dudley was part of the promotion as far as like helping get talent. And so Spike's the one that booked me for the show. We get there do the show same thing no pay mm. it's like you got you got to be kidding me so fast forward to a few years later spike dudley's in wwf wwe i'm there on a show we're talking and then that show came up and i was like yeah i never got paid and so spike went and got his draw which they don't do this anymore but they used to be able to do it to where you're under a contract you're you're guaranteed money but at tv you could get your draw like I say, you know, oh, I need a couple hundred dollars. Yeah. Pay you out your $200, then it comes out of your check later, you know? Sure. So, so uh, he went and got a draw and paid me what I was owed out of his pocket. And I was like, you don't need to do that. That wasn't, and he's like, no, I booked you. I'm the one that got you booked for the show. I feel responsible. And he, you know, took care of it, which I'll never forget that. You know, that was something that he did not have to do, yeah. you know, and, and he went out of his way to, you know, just pay me out of his pocket to take care of that because his name was attached to it. Yeah. It sounds like a good guy then. Yeah. Great guy. That's awesome. Um, one thing I, I, I mentioned it to you, uh, on Instagram, uh, in the DMS, but, uh, the forbidden doors seem to be open everywhere. Now <laughs> AEW sort of, I feel like AEW started it by working with impact and new Japan and on mm-hmm. impact right now, they have, a ring of honor invasion storyline and then hell froze over and uh wwe had mickey james the impact knockouts champion on the royal rumble mm-hmm. what do you think about these companies finally doing business with each other i think it's great it's great because uh it's it's better for the smaller companies honestly you know because you know, AEW has more eyes on it than Impact does. So, of course, now they're getting to see that cross promotion and like, oh, wait, these guys are from where? Oh, I'll turn in, tune into Impact and see that. Same thing with WWE. You know, they tune in the Royal Rumble and they see Mickey James. Well, of course, I remember Mickey James from WWE, yeah. but she's wearing the Impact Women's Championships. Like, wait, what's Impact? You know, and then they, mm-hmm. you know, look for it and then they'll see it. So it's going to draw more eyes to the, you know, the promotion that's working with them. Um, you know, and this is something, it's nothing new. I mean, WWF was doing it with ECW. WWF was doing it with uh, USWA out of Memphis, mm. uh, Smoky Mountain, you know, when Jim Cornette's promotion. So uh, it was all stuff that's been done before. It's just seems new again, you know, because it's been yeah. so long, uh, you know, ever since 
the WCW, WWF wars, it, it's changed, you know, so you didn't really see that anymore. Right. But, but yeah, so now it's like, you know, it's always good. It's always good for the smaller promotion because it gets more eyes on them. What I like it, what I like about it as a fan is that you can, the potential for dream matches is, yeah. is huge, right? You're like, oh man, you know, it could, it could be one of these days that Moose fights Roman Reigns. It, you know, it, yeah. that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so uh your wife it, her her name's michelle right yes okay your wife michelle she wrestles too yes she does and that, that's how we met actually was through through wrestling um so yeah so we we met when she was a student you know she was training in in utah and uh it was my old trainer so myself mike knox john cena uh, we were going up to utah to wrestle for him and so he asked if we could come in a day early, or, you know, take a look at his students and work on that. And that's how we met. Actually, we went and then we were running them through some drills and some workouts and stuff in the, in the ring. And I just remember she caught my eye as far as like how she, you know, was so aggressive in the ring and attacking the mat and taking her bumps and doing it. And whenever we'd ask for, you know, we need two guys in the ring, come in, you know, she'd be like one of the first ones to jump in the ring, you know, and that, that type of stuff. So I yeah. always remembered her from that. And then it wasn't until, you know, a few years later, that we you know started seeing each other, but we would, you know, talk. And then when she was ready for matches, I would book her on events out here or help her get wrestling matches in other places. Mm -hmm. uh, because I've always supported women's wrestling. You know, it was one of those things where it's like, there's, there's a place for it. You know, sure. when I was running impact zone wrestling, we always had a women's match on the card, you know? And so uh, it, it's, it, so that's how we met. Yeah. Okay. Now sh she also competes in strongman competitions too right yeah yeah so she's the reason i do uh oh okay yeah uh so long story short the 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 shortened version of it COVID hits gyms are closed myself and my training partner don't have a place to work out anymore all the gyms are closed so he said to me hey i have a buddy he's got a a uh, home gym mm -hmm. he said we can train there we just throw a few bucks when we work out so we go, and that's when I noticed all of the strongman equipment, the Atlas stones and the yoke and the farmer's handles. And I was like, what is all this? He's like, oh, he's a strongman. I was like, that's cool. So we're training with at his place, and one day he invited us to come on a Saturday, and we're, hey, we're going to pull a truck. So I came home. I told my wife, hey, we're going to pull a truck. I was excited, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so she came down, watched, and then she was like, I want to I train for this. No, I was like, really? Okay. Really? I was like, yeah, okay. So we talked to, to Marshall, the trainer, and he's like, yeah. So he started training her. And then we went to watch Marshall compete. And on the way home from the competition, you know, my wife looks over at me and she's like, do you ever think about it? I'm like, no, no. Why would I? No. Before she could even finish the question. No. Why would I want to do that? That's crazy. That's, you know, it's insane yeah. doing the stuff that they were doing. Right. And, and then, uh, and then, yeah, then it just kind of got talked into it. It's like, no, no, try it, try it. So, and then I did my first competition and was hooked and was like, all right, this is, this is something I'm going to, I'm going to pursue and just keep doing. So speaking of strongman, then and for the guys listening that are living under a rock, can you, can you just uh, explain, well, like what is strongman? How is it different than like, say powerlifting? Powerlifting is MMA. Mm -hmm. strongman is pro wrestling <laughs> it's entertainment yeah exactly it's it's yeah it's very real weight but yeah. we do it in a more entertaining way okay you know powerlifting you're going to have your three your three lifts you're going to have your bench press your squat your deadlift mm -hmm. you know your, those are your three your three events now strongman you're going to do your your squat but it's not going to be just a regular bar with weight on it it's going to be some crazy implement that looks like you know yeah. uh, a, a stage with slot machines on it or something you know what i mean like it just depends on where the event is on what they do you know but you're gonna and then you're also gonna have these giant atlas stones you know those are the big the big like pounds. the big balls the big yeah. rocks okay because they're big and they're they're, they're stone there yeah. and they you know they range anywhere from 200 to 400 pounds and and you pick these up and you place them on a on a pedestal and that's that's the competition or a Hercules hold where you're holding two pillars, you know, you have handles attached, you know, you're grabbing on these handles and you're holding these pillars like Hercules, yeah. you know, until you're, you know, and that's, that's a grip strength uh, event or 
you know, a farmer's carrier where you're just carrying giant blocks of, you know, it could be iron, it could be wood, it could be, you know, so it, it's, it's lifting heavy things any way you can lift them. And it, it's, it's entertaining because you're seeing these monsters of men just doing these feats of strength that are, you know, pretty insane. Yeah. I, I think like one of the first ones I ever watched, uh, guys were taking like car batteries and like seeing how high they can throw them and stuff. Yeah. And, just silly stuff. I mean, but it's, it's amazing. I, I'd much rather watch something like that than like uh, baseball any day. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because we're, you know, baseball, you're not going to see, you know, you know, 400 pound man, that's like, you know, right. all tattooed up and just like, you know, lifting crazy things. And yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I, it is entertaining. I, I remember I was at a Buffalo wild wings one time and I was walking through to my table and I saw strongman was on one, tv and so i told the waitress when we sat down i was like can we get strongman on this she's like oh you don't want to watch football no i don't want to watch football <laughs> <laughs> i want to watch these guys pick up cars and stuff yeah yeah <laughs> you know or, or strap a bus to them you know and pull this bus you know it's like it's crazy right. it is crazy um so you, so i did have a question on how long it's been that you started that during 2020 you said during like yeah. the COVID lockdowns? During the COVID lockdown. So I had my first competition in November of 2020. Okay. And so did my first competition in November of 2020. So then within the within a year, I was, you know, qualified for national competition. Yeah. Uh, I believe I placed ninth in nationals, uh, did a worldwide uh, two-lift event and placed, I think, top, top 100 in the world. Uh, so it was, it's, it's been insane just to watch how the numbers have increased and my, how my strengths increased doing it. Yeah. Um, so, and that's a short period of time too. Cause you're already like, you're already sponsored. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it's something about, you know, something about seeing an old guy out there doing stuff that like draws attention, you know? So it's like, I turned 50 and, and, uh, you know, so, let's see if he dies out there. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, they, you've heard the saying old man strength. It, yeah, it's yeah. real. It's real. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, legit. But, yeah. What's, what's harder pro wrestling or strongman? Uh, pro wrestling is harder uh, mentally. Okay. Uh, just because of the, the travel and the, the, everything that's involved in it. You know, it's not just going in there and having a match. It's, it's, traveling to get to the match. It's uh, preparing for the match, being in shape for the match. Just you're taking care of your body. You're prone to injury in wrestling more than you are in strongman. Although strongman, your injuries are going to be a little more severe. Mm -hmm. um, muscle tears are, are very common. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's been, uh, yeah, it's been different, but I love it. But yeah, wrestling definitely has been harder as far as on my, on my body. It I was going to ask next, uh, have you had any serious injuries doing either sport? Uh, in strongman, no. Uh, knock, knock on wood. wood. Yeah. Yes, knock <laughs> on wood. In wrestling, uh, torn ACL, broken leg, broken collarbone. Uh, mm. Yeah, those were like the worst ones. Uh, the, the torn ACL actually happened right before my first uh, tour of Japan and my first pay-per-view. I wrestled for the WWA on, on a pay-per-view. And I was, if I didn't have a brace, there was no way I'd even be able to stand on that leg. It was just like, you it, just, it felt like it folded by, you know, both yeah. directions, you know? So, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the, it's, it's scary. Cause I, one of the things like as a, as a pro wrestling fan, I cannot stand. And I'm sure you can't either is when guys call pro wrestling fake. Oh, cause yeah. I'm like, cause I'm like, it's, it's, it might it's scripted, but the the risk is real. It's like watching a, a professional stunt show. Yeah, and like these guys are are taking some serious hits. They're you know they're landing weird. Uh, and now I see all these guys take these like these high shoulder bumps where I'm just like, are they landing on their head or are they? I'm like, no, that's their shoulder. Okay, I think they're fine. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes yeah. I, I'm like, oh, they they missed that. They overshot that. They landed on their neck and that's scary because there's guys that end up in the wheelchair, you know, doing that stuff. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it's it, wrestling's changed so much just in the amount of time that I've been in it, you yeah. know, and now the risk is even more because of the, everyone feels like they need to top the person before them, right. You know, and something bigger, something more spectacular. 
you know, I'm going to dive off of the, instead of jumping off the top rope into the ring and landing onto your opponent, I'm going to jump off the top rope out to the floor and, you know, and land on my opponent. And now you just took that safe wrestling ring. It's hard, but it's not as hard as the floor on the outside, you know? And, you know, it's like, oh, no, why would I want to do that? I'm going to jump out onto the floor or I'm going to climb up onto this balcony and then I'm going to jump out onto the floor, you know? Right now. So, yeah. It, it's it's funny too. I always I always hear podcasts where uh, you know the veteran wrestlers are always telling the younger wrestlers like you don't need to do all that. You know, just just really get them in a good headlock. And and and, and these guys they never want to listen, right? The younger guys. Oh yeah, no, listen. they never. And, and when you were younger, you probably didn't want to listen. I would. Oh no, I I didn't. I didn't yeah. want to listen. I you know, <laughs> and but I learned. I yeah. learned really fast when, you know, uh, you know, something goes wrong and it's like, yeah, I don't need to be doing that anymore. I think this will work a little better. You know, it's like, yeah. uh, you know, instead of doing that, you know, backflip off the top rope, you know, doing a moonsault, like, oh no, that, that doesn't need to be done. I can just, you know, hit a nice elbow drop off the middle rope. How about that? You know, or, or something, right. a nice drop kick, you know, something good, but it, it's also too, it's how you, how you get the fans involved. You know, if you, mm-hmm. if you, yeah, not to use too many inside terms, but if you know how to work, yeah, you can entertain and you can get a crowd going. And I, I, it drives me insane when people call that being lazy because it's like, no, it's called being smart and being safe and still entertaining somebody. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't know how many of the matches you've watched on uh, on YouTube when you were looking through, but you weren't going to see a lot of high risk moves, but you were going to hear a crowd that was, you know, really into what they were watching. You know, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, I mean, I've, I've seen you live. It's it's awesome, and you're not you're not diving off of stuff. You're not doing yeah. flips and stuff. You're you're doing chops and you're doing body slams and, but it yeah. looks it looks rough as hell. You know, like I'm like exactly. that, that guy's beating the shit out of that guy right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it's something that I I took to heart when I was you know learning, um, and it was an old saying that Johnny Valentine used to say is like, you know, I can't make them believe pro wrestling's real, but I can make them believe I'm real. You know, yeah. and so I, I always took that to heart. I'm like, yeah, I, I'll make them believe that what I'm doing in there is real. And to me, that's a big compliment when a fan will come up afterwards and I'm signing an autograph or taking a picture and be like, yeah, I, I know those other matches are fake, but man, yours. Oh, I know. I know you beat that guy, you know? Yeah. And I'm, I'm not, you know, honestly being any rougher than anyone else. I just make it look like I'm being rougher. I just, it's, yeah. it's the body language and it's the emotion you put into it and everything that you put into it, it makes it look like, you know, I'm body slamming you just like the next person does a body slam, except my body language is different and my facials are different and the sounds I make are different. And it makes it just look like I'm driving it through that mat rather than just slamming it. Right. Yeah. It's like uh, the guy taking the bump isn't the only one that's got to be selling the move. Right. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it's, you put some intensity into it. I mean, it looks like oh man he's pissed he's yeah. he's really hurting that guy you know but uh luckily but for whatever magic reason like the next week when you guys come back you're not all bruised up that's so weird yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> um let's see here take me so so going back to to strongman um i imagine like to get ready for like lifting heavy stuff i mean you obviously have to be able to lift heavy stuff but you also have to eat yes quite a bit to get to get that mass right like take me through a typical day of eating to get ready for strongman uh when i'm getting ready for a competition uh it's morning i'll, I'll get a workout in before i eat because we're, we're training at 5 30 a.m so i'm up at 4 45 i walk the dog grab a bottle of water go work out get my workout in get home eat a big uh, bowl of oatmeal protein shake go back to the gym well i'll take my daughter to school go back to the gym get a cardio session in come back, eat. And so then after I eat again, then it's shower, do a little work on the computer, eat again, you know? So I'm, I'm trying to get something in like every two to three hours, you know, trying to eat something. And it's, it's usually stuff that's going to be like with the oatmeal, it's going to be a slower burning, you know, stay with you a little longer. And then after that, it's going to be more uh, protein based, you know, and, and uh, just keep going from there. So I'm, I'm eating every few hours and then, uh, usually when it comes to competition time, I'm laying in at about, about between 285 and 287. Uh-huh. And then when I'm not competing, I'm back down to like 260, you know? Okay. So, and then, uh, you know, but 
but it's like that old saying of mass moves mass, you know, so I, I bulk up and plus it helps fuel for that, that strength and just, you know, getting ready to, to push heavy weight. Yeah. There's a, I mean, I, that's one thing that I see that's different than uh, let's say like bodybuilders, for instance, right? Like they're, they're sort of eating and working out for aesthetics, whereas mm-hmm. strong men are, are eating for performance. Yes. Right. Yeah. 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 Ron, Ronnie Coleman. Uh huh. He's he's a god. That guy, power. He wasn't just aesthetics. That guy, man had power. That was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He ate a lot too. I, I've seen some oh, videos yeah. where it's just him eating all day. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So you mentioned a, a cardio session. Like, how does cardio help with strongman? Uh, some of the events are moving events. So say your your uh, truck pull, you know, okay. your 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 pulls because now it's for timing. So you got to pull that from one end to the other, and the fastest time is going to win. So you're going to need to work on your speed. So you need to have that good cardiovascular intensity. You know, intensity. And plus, I'm still wrestling, so I don't want to go five minutes into a match and be huffing and puffing. You know. Right. I need to have my cardio up and then, uh, so yeah. So for your moving events and then for my wrestling, I still need to have that cardio. What kind of cardio do you like to do? None of it. I don't like to do any <laughs> of it, but, but I what do. What kind of cardio I, do you do? How's that? <laughs> I, I, I do this, the stair climber. I do the stair climber for an hour and then I'll, I'll do like a, a slow walk on the, on the treadmill after that. But the stair climber is the one that gets me, you know, gets my heart rate going and gets me sweating and gets me moving. Uh-huh. And then I, I cool down on the treadmill, you know, to kind of slow, you know, get my heart rate back down again and then I'm good to go. Got it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a runner. I like running and uh, I just, I just interviewed a personal trainer and he hates that I run. He's just like running sucks. Like, why are you running? Like, it's bad for you. It's bad for your knees. Like you should do squats and stuff. I was like, I don't like doing squats. I like running. I don't. There you go. My daughter, <laughs> my, my youngest daughter's running a lot right now. She's boxing. So she's getting ready. She's trying to make the, the fight team. So part of the requirement for the fight team is the kids need to run uh, two miles and they need to do 50 push-ups consecutively, 50 sit-ups consecutively. And that's just to make it onto the, the kids fight team. Mm-hmm. So they, they can't stress enough how important it is for their road work. You know, they got to have that road work because they got to have that endurance to fight. Yeah. So she's running after every day she runs. So it, it's either after her boxing practice or on days that she doesn't have boxing training, she just runs. And so I tried, I tried to run with her a little and yeah, my knees were hurting. My, my calves blew up, like just, you know, throbbing from I was like, man, I yeah. don't know how to run. I don't know how to, you know, pace myself in, well enough. I'm, I'm heavy footed when I run, you know, I'm very, yeah. you know, so. I feel like, uh, I mean, I'm not trying to convince you to run, uh, but people that want to run, it's all in the shoes. You know, mm. you really have to have good, solid running shoes to to brace that shock. And then otherwise, if you have that, then it, your knees don't hurt and stuff like that. Yeah, I can move in short bursts. I can I can run 20 feet across, 20 feet across, you yeah. know, and pretty, <laughs> with some good speed and good explosive speed. But yeah, when it comes to a mile, oh, no, that's not. <laughs> yeah. You don't that's need to run a mile when you're in the 20, <laughs> 20 foot ring. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I mentioned at the beginning of the show, um, you're also a licensing manager for WWE 2K Games. Yes. And, and you've been doing that for about nine years. And, and before it was 2K, it was THQ? Yeah. So oh. so THQ was doing the video games back when I started. So 2008, okay. I started with THQ. And yeah, so so then when 2K, uh, THQ went out of business, 2K took over the license, I was acquired, basically. It was one of those where, you know, uh, the people with WWE and, and with THQ are like, you're going to need Steve, you know? And so yeah. uh, 2K hired me on. So how did you, how did you get the original gig with THQ? Did you know somebody or? No, originally I was, uh, well, in a way, yes. And originally I was doing motion capture. So I was hired to mocap for the games, mm. um, just, just doing the moves and, and doing the motion capture. And then that's when I got to meet, the, the guys that worked on the game, the producers and everyone else that worked on the video game and the, the licensing manager at that time, uh, I got to see him. And so at the same time, I was also doing stuff with WWE. So I would see him at the WWE events doing his, his job. And so whether it be scanning or doing photos or doing uh, voiceover work or, you know, I would see him. So it basically, it was, it was luck uh, alongside with this, just knowing the right person because you know, he wanted to go on to making games. 
Mm-hmm. He he's so he's like, this is what I want. My passion is I want to make games. I want to be part of that team. Yeah. So he got an offer to start working on motocross games. The and so he's like, I need to find my replacement. Mm-hmm. And he's like, Do you ever think about doing this? And so he kind of showed me what he what he did. I I shadowed him because I was like. I didn't have a match that night. I was like, all right, yeah, I got nothing else going on today. I'm good. So yeah. I just shadowed him and watched what he did. And I was like, yeah, I think I could do that. So I, you know, uh, talked with, with my wife. So what do you think? You know, and then went from there, went and interviewed at THQ, went and interviewed at WWE and then was offered the position and been going since. What, what does a licensing manager do exactly? Well, the, the title, yeah, it doesn't really encompass in the title of what I do exactly, but I handle the, the license, which is the game, which is WWE, you know, handling that license. But mm-hmm. what I do myself is uh, face scans for the, you know, the head scans for the game when I make the characters. I, you know, handle that as far as like scheduling, getting the talent lined up, making sure that everyone's doing their scans. Uh, same with the reference photos to take photos of their gear and, and everything that the animators need to make the characters. Uh, scheduling mocap for when they motion capture when the WWE talent comes into motion capture mm-hmm. um, voiceover recordings. Uh, so all of that voiceover that you're playing, all that commentary that gets done. Uh, I schedule that make sure that we're getting all the, all the voiceover lines that we need recorded. Mm-hmm. So it, it's a, and then when it comes time to marketing, I'll be along for anything that they need talent for. So if they have them at a GameStop convention or if they have them at an E3 or I'm there handling talent, making sure that the talent's taken care of and what, you know, getting what they need so that they can, you know, do what they need to do. Got it. Um, so when you, when you talk about like motion capture, like that, that's like the black suits and, and the, like they have little dots all over them and stuff. And it's actually the, the actual wrestlers are doing the moves and you guys are just keep capturing their movements for, for the game. Yeah. So uh, we, as like myself, you know, I'm, I'm not, I would be doing, let's say, um, Batista's moves, mm-hmm. you know? So it's like, all right, these are the moves we're going to do and then do those moves. So because of their schedules, you know, the WWE talent, we can't really get them to come in and do the motion capture for their own stuff. Yeah. Uh, so we have other wrestlers come in and do the motion capture for the games. Mm. So it, it's fun to, to see how many of them that have been doing motion capture go on to WWE. Like Ricochet was doing motion capture for us. Adam Pierce, who's, you know, with a uh, general manager was doing motion capture for us. You know, a lot of the, a lot of the talent, uh, then they end up in WWE and they're like, well, I can come back and motion capture my own moves. I'm probably like, I don't know. We can't do that, you know, because oh. yes. Yeah. So, so when you, when you were first do, uh, working with THQ doing mm-hmm. motion capture that you were a guy in a suit doing yeah. moves. Okay. Yeah. That's fat. So you're telling me that the commercial that they have right now playing where they have, <laughs> they have uh, Bobby Lashley in a suit hitting somebody with a chair. He doesn't normally take time off to go do that. No, he takes time off to do the commercial shoot. But <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. A little inside, inside baseball. Um, all right. I think we're, we're about an hour here. So right. last question. Yes, sir. WrestleMania this year, who goes home with the Universal Championship, Brock Lesnar or Roman Reigns? Oh, my money's on Roman Reigns. Okay. Why is that? Yeah. Uh, just because he's on that, he's on that that swing right now. You know, he's he's like got that rocket attached to him and, and it's finally clicking as far as like with the fans. Yeah. You know, for so many years they that he was the face that they were pushing and pushing and pushing. And now that he's, you know comfortable in, in what he's doing it, it, you can tell you know you can tell he's like oh, man i'm not a baby face you know i'm yeah i'm head of i'm the head of the table he believes it you know and you can tell he believes in what he's doing and, and it shows he's he's really changed over the years as far as like his everything about him you know his, yeah. his uh confidence his charisma everything's been really good i think he's a better heel than he is a baby face oh yeah for sure what sure. <laughs> <laughs> you Baby face or heel? What what do you prefer to do? I prefer to actually I prefer to baby face, which is funny because that's harder to do. It's harder to get people to like you than to get people to hate you, you know. But I was always, uh, well, I went from being your traditional, come on, baby, you know, baby face, you know, to to the just ass kicker. 
you know, uh-huh. and, and uh, you know, of course I'll take an ass beating, but I'll, I'll also kick your ass. You know, I'll, I'm going to fight. I'm going to fight from underneath. If I have to, I'm going to fight. And that's where the whole come fight the tribe came from. Mm-hmm. We're not going to wrestle you. We're going to fight you, you know? Yeah. And, and so then that that style fits, especially looking the way I look now. It's, you know, I'm old and grizzled and just like, you know, especially with the war paint on and the, and, and the beard, it just makes it look like, yeah. You know. Yeah. That, that picture that you shared the other day and I, I shared it on my social media. I was like, dude, he looks like a complete brick shit house, right? Like in that <laughs> picture, like he just looks like someone that will just stomp your face into the ground. And that, that's the look I'm going for, you know? Yeah. Mission and, accomplished. And funny, you, when I, you know, when I started, I was uh, 210, 210, 215 pounds, maybe, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> so going from that to being a 280 pound, you know, heavyweight, it, it's, it's been a great journey, you know, just to kind of like change over the years and, and, and grow as a wrestler, you know, it's been awesome. Yeah. Well, it's awesome to watch you. Thank you. Steve, thank you for joining me. Where can people find you online? Uh, you can find me on mostly Instagram, uh, Navajo warrior, two K the number two letter K. And that's really where I, I like pictures. I, I like posting pictures and videos other than that. And then that connects to my Facebook, but that's mostly family, uh, some, some wrestling fans, but it's mostly just family stuff. But on the, on the Instagram, you're going to see, uh, strongman stuff. You can see wrestling stuff. You're going to see my kids doing their stuff, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I got, I'm a, I'm a girl dad. I got uh, three daughters, you know, so I got one who's now a school teacher, one, you know, little ones boxing, you know, so it's, it's, it's awesome. And then my oldest is living life and, you know, being, being awesome. So it's, it's great. That's awesome. Well, Steve, thank you for joining me, man. Hey, thank you also. One more yeah. thing. Yes. Where we can get this awesome shirt, that awesome shirt, yeah. some awesome, you know, Navajo Warrior t-shirts, uh, prowrestlingtees.com. Go to prowrestlingtees.com slash Navajo Warrior. And I think they got like four or five different designs there. And they're pretty uh, awesome. If you, yeah, if you got I one. Got, I grabbed one of mine. I, I'll put a link to it in the in the description for sure. All right. <laughs> you guys can match. We could be matchy matchy. All right. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Have a good one. Steve, let me tell you something, brother. Thanks for coming on the show. (laughs) I've always wanted to do that. Always wanted to do that. I'm a I'm a total nerd. Uh no, seriously, Steve, anytime you want to come back. Uh it was a great conversation. I I learned a lot. It it's it was actually uh, really fun talking about the wrestling business with someone that's that's done it, that's been doing it for years, that's made a living on it. It's just fascinating. I'm going to have to get more wrestlers on. All right, guys, I hope you had fun with that episode. And uh, like I said before at the beginning, please you know, comment below. Let me know what you like. Leave us a review. Click those notifications, all that kind of stuff, and uh, subscribe to the show. All right, guys, that's it for this week. We'll see you on Monday. This has been the Come On Man podcast. New full episodes served hot every Monday morning on your favorite podcast platform of choice. So subscribe now. Follow Paul on social media. The links are in the description. Now, go out and get it.